He was a morbidly obese surgeon destined for an operating table and an early death. Now he's a rebel MD who is fabulously fit and fighting to make America healthy again. This is Stay Off My Operating Table with Dr. Philip Ovedia. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. I'm Jack Heald. And we are joined today by someone I'm looking forward to talking to, mostly because I grew up in the South and I miss this accent. But there's other reasons as well. Phil, why don't you introduce Kelly Hogan to us? Sure thing. Uh, This is really uh, an honor. You know, Jack, we uh, just kind of passed our 100th episode and we're, uh, I think, finally uh, got enough legs under us that uh, we were worthy of, uh, of bringing on Kelly because uh, she really is a true OG carnivore, um, really one of the, you know, uh, people who I would say revived, um, you know, zero carbon carnivore. Of course, it's always been a thing, as we know, but, uh, you know, our modern focus on it, uh, I think uh, Kelly was one of the early people in that space. So uh, really excited to have this conversation with her. Uh, I'm just going to let her kind of introduce herself. I'm sure most of our audience probably is already familiar with her, but for those that aren't, give us a little bit of your story, Kelly, and how you got to uh, zero carb life. What an intro. Thank you, gentlemen. And also, I didn't even know I had an accent. (laughs) (laughs) I've been told that a few times, though. All right. So um, I'm feeling great now. I'm 44 years old, and I have three kids. And I did not think this was ever going to be my life because I, I, in my twenties, I was really unwell. I felt uh, a little hopeless, honestly, just about the future. I had always had a little bit of a health, not health struggle, weight problem. I always had a weight problem growing up. So in my family, my dad struggled with his weight. I struggled with mine. My mom and my brother were like, they could eat anything. We're all eating at the same table. And uh, my dad and I just were the only ones that had a hard time. In high school, I started restricting calories a lot uh, because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be cute in a prom prom dress. So I would eat one lean cuisine per day and one carnation instant breakfast. And that was it. And I could do that for weeks because I really did have willpower. And then the prom would happen. I would go out to dinner, eat my first meal in a while. By the way, that drove my parents crazy. I have amazing parents. And they were like, please do not do this. But it was one of those teenage rebellion things. Like, I must. (laughs) So that's what I did. And I would lose some weight, go to prom, eat again. And then, oh, my gosh, binge eating began because your body wants to survive. Uh, It's a great mechanism, except that in our world now, we don't mostly need to work on surviving by eating more and more and more. Well, I started to gain after every prom, I would get heavier and heavier. And then I went to college and they handed me this little plastic card called a cat card. And it was an all you can eat meal card to go to every buffet on campus, Chick-fil-A. It was eat as much as you want. And I put on a lot of weight and then I got married young gained again. And so I was 260 pounds when I started having, yeah, I started having 
actual health problems because up until then it was just a weight issue. I felt okay until I didn't. And I started getting boils. Um, for those who have never had a boil, it is not fun. It starts off like an ingrown hair, which is thought was what I was getting. But they would get so infected that I would have to go have them lanced every time. They were on my legs, my backside. That was the primary places. And they would leave these huge purple thick scars. I've since been told what that is. And I can't ever remember the name of it. But my doctor is a very elderly gentleman named Dr. Dunlap, who is a retired in the last five years. But he said, well, Miss Hogan, I suppose I'll just keep doing this until you lose about 100 pounds or until one of us dies. And I was 25 years old, and he was probably at that point 75, but now he's he's in his 90s now. But I cried because I had tried so many times to lose weight, even in college. It's not like I was just swiping the cat card thinking I'm just going to gain and gain. I was eating skim milk and tons of cereal, fat-free cereal, all the fat-free everything and lots of fruit thinking. And I was walking. It's a college campus that I'm pointing over here because it's literally up the road from where I live now. Um, It's hills everywhere. So I'm walking and I'm eating my fat-free cereal, my fat-free milk, but as much as I could possibly hold because swipe, swipe, swipe with that card and just gaining and getting more inflamed. And as a young married woman, I was also eating a lot of cereal because we were just young with no kids. And I was taught that fat was the problem. So when Dr. Dunlap said that to me, I thought I had exhausted all of my options. And then he told me about one I had never heard of before. (laughs) He said, well, and this was 2004. So this man. 19 years ago. Yes, almost. It was October. So it'll be 19 years uh, November, I'm sorry, November. October is my carnivore anniversary. <laughs> November was this. Almost carnivore. He said, "I." he heard me. I hear you've tried everything, but have you ever cut out carbs? And through tears, I said, I've heard of carbs, but I don't really know what that means. I, I wasn't being stupid. I was just 25 and it was 2004. Atkins had written a book, but I hadn't read it. And uh, he'd probably written more than one. I don't know. And so he gave me this little pamphlet that explained what is a carbohydrate. And on one side, he pointed to, I didn't know there was another side at this stage. He just showed me, he said, these are the foods that I don't want you to touch. Even if it is your birthday, give me one year. And it was everything I had ever liked. (laughs) It was bread, pasta, cereal, dessert, skim milk, uh, fruit. Like, I don't even know what other foods there are. What do I eat? (laughs) He turned it over and I saw ribs, chicken wings, eggs, omelets, cheese. He did have some low carb veggies like uh, leafy greens, cucumbers, pickles. I was like, okay. He said, mostly eat the meats, eggs, dairy is fine. I said, how about Diet Coke, Diet Soda? He's like, if you must. Okay. Uh, I said, okay, do I have to eat the leafy greens? He said, just know they aren't going to kill you. You can have the leafy greens, but who likes leafy greens? (laughs) (laughs) So from the get go, I wasn't completely carnivore, but pretty close because 
that was the only thing on the list that I liked was the meat, eggs, and cheese. From that day, and I called my dad on the way because he and I had talked diet a lot, being the only ones that struggled with our weight. I called him. I said, I just had the weirdest appointment with Dr. Dunlap. I had to have another boil lanced. He's my dad. He knew what I was going through. I said, he told me I should cut out carbs. But do you know, does that include potatoes? <laughs> I was like, I think it does. Okay. Well, this was disappointing. But from that day on, I did not, not even once, not even on my birthday, have anything on the other side. And people have said, well, you surely went back and forth some. No, I did not. Because I was desperate. Mm -hmm. I was desperate. And that man gave me hope and a plan. And I was used to following much harder plans than that. Give me a break. It wasn't lean cuisine and and a a carnation into breakfast. So I was in. I did start losing weight. Uh, One year later, I was down 80 pounds. One year. And he had said to me, I'll see you in a year. And I laughed because I was seeing him all the time because of these boils. And I said, well, I'm sure I'll see you before then. But okay. And he goes, oh, I don't think so. And he was right. I've never had one boil since that day. Wow. Yeah. He changed. He changed my whole life. Um, the first 80 pounds were the quickest after that, you know, how weight loss goes, you have highs and lows and plateaus. And at some point I've had three babies since then. So (laughs) there've been all kinds of changes, but five years of almost carnivore, I kept my diet sodas and I kept pickles, uh, some green beans. That was about it for me in the vegetable kingdom for five years. And in 2009, I was not feeling great because I had started cutting back on fat again. Mm-hmm. No, he didn't mention this part. He didn't say, by the way, fat is very important with to you without carbs. Um, I'm not mad at him about it, but I didn't know. So I, through the five years, had sort of started cutting back on fat because we all want to lose a little quicker, a little more, five more pounds kind of thing. Well, in 2009, I was basically just eating meat and I decided been five years. I should probably check in on this. Is this even safe? <laughs> so I googled, is it safe? on my big boxy desktop in 2009? I didn't even have one of these. Is it safe to eat only meat? And that's the day I found Charles Washington, who at that point had been carnivore about two years, Dana Spencer, Amber O'Hearn. She kept joined in. You may know that name. She yeah. joined in around that same time. They were all at a webpage called Zeroing In on Health. Dr. Lisa Wiedemann, she was there. Um, she now is four. She just had her 14 year anniversary. She's about six months ahead of me. So I met all of these people. They had these amazing before and after pictures. And so I shared a before and after picture. And they said, Oh my gosh, you did this eating only meat. For the most part, yes. I said, I was eating some pickles and green beans, but I've even cut those out. And they said, isn't it amazing? You look great. It is amazing, except for a couple of things. And they were like, go on. I said, number one, my period has stopped. And they were like, well, that's not good. I said, no, it's not. And number two, it's getting really hard because I just miss sugar and carbs so much. It's getting harder. And they were like, that's not how this usually goes at all. So they started troubleshooting with me and they said, okay, so tell me what you eat. Well, I eat a lot of chicken. They're like, evidence number one, (laughs) we need more fat. And they said, 
and what else do you do? I said, oh, I'm still working out quite a bit. Like, okay, maybe calm that down for a while. Because the reason I wanted to have a menstrual cycle is I wanted the babies. I didn't have any yet. Five years in, I wanted those kids desperately. And I had already tried some traditional fertility methods that were not working. And so they said, you are running every day. You are avoiding fat. But why the cravings? I said, I don't know. What causes cravings? They said, well, sweet taste. I said, I'm not eating any sugar. They're like, what about diet sodas? Oh, all day long. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So those are the three key things they told me on day one. You got to cut out those diet sodas, eat some fat, and calm down, woman. Just sit and rest and eat some meat for a little while. (laughs) So that was the last day I went to the gym for a very long time. And the last diet soda I had was that Google search. I have never had a taste ever since. And I have increased my fat through the years, even more in the last year, actually. Uh, I've just found, man, the fat does feel amazing. So for 12 years, I did very standard carnivore diet, about a 70-30 carnivore diet. And in the last year, I've been more 80% fat, even 85 and some fat fasting because it just feels very good to me. Wow. But, wow. I talked for a really long time. There's the story, Morning that's, Glory. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You know, the first thing I'm going to say about that is, you know, I always loved the old Southern doctors because, you know, they told it like it was and they wouldn't, you know, none of this BS and, yeah. you know, all of this stuff. They called it out. Uh, but now I love them even more hearing that story. Uh, cause if you can find yourself an old Southern doctor, you got, you got gold there. Yes. <laughs> Stick with it. So even, um, I'm sorry to interrupt one thing. Yep. He even mentioned to me that day, the Inuit Indians oh, sorry. Wow. I, I, back now people say you hit jackpot. Like yeah. I had no idea because I've seen different doctors ever since he retired. And I have found one that completely tolerates me because my lab work is good and everything is fine. However, you know how that conversation usually goes when I say, oh, "Oh, well, let me tell you, like, why did I say that? (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, talk a little bit more what it was like, you know, so it's, uh, uh, you know, 2004, um, you know, you're you're down there in, in the deep south and uh, you know, you decide you're only going to eat meat or, you know, yeah. mostly eat meat uh, and cut out all the carbs and cut out all the, you know, the fried stuff and, you know, yeah. uh, not eat your greens. Uh, you know, how how did that play with your family, your friends? Um, you know, how do you how did you even kind of manage, you know, because the food environment isn't necessarily yeah. conducive to that? Uh, My dad is a Southern Baptist minister. And so every event is like a church get together, a fellowship hall gathering, a fellowship hall. So food all the time. Uh, I started that in 2004. I said it was November. Well, it was right before Thanksgiving. And I did not give my grandmother on my mom's side. She's the was the big cook. Mamaw, she's passed now. But Mamaw cooked all of the cakes and pies every year. And she, well, I'll just tell you, she, I was her favorite. She loved me (laughs) and she made it clear. She loved me greatly. And so she would have an entire dessert table. Uh, 
And I didn't tell her ahead of time, which now I tell people, you got to give somebody a heads up because they've gone to this effort. And I didn't do that. Um, I showed up and said, oh, I'm actually not eating any sugar now because my doctor told me I shouldn't. And she's like, well, honey, it's Thanksgiving. It's Thanksgiving. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm I had the shakes for two weeks. That's no joke. I could not hold my hands still. I was such a carb and sugar addict. It was intense. This was not an easy thing. And in fact, it's the reason that I'm still as strict as I am. Two things. My digestion is so much better. I used to have a lot of IBS symptoms and now I'm good. I don't miss it. (laughs) I'm not going back. And secondly, the addiction was so hard to break that I told myself, if I make it through this, I am never going back. I'm never going back. Mm. I'm never going back. And I never have because it was awful. So at Mama's house that day when she had made this coconut pie and German chocolate cake and on and on, it was hard. But by that point, I could tell what, again, I was desperate. This is what I think the key ingredients were that day, because I've spent the last almost 19 years thinking about it. I was desperate. He gave me hope. If you do this, I don't think I'm going to see you for another boil again. And I really think you're going to lose the weight. And he gave me a plan. And then at some point, oh, well, I was looking for some results and it wasn't just scale. I started, you know, because it's not always going to go well on the scale. I tell people this all the time. If you're looking at only one metric and it's that bathroom scale, you will have days where you're going to feel like a failure. That's just the bottom line because weight, it's it doesn't change linear. No progress is linear. And so you've got to have other metrics to look at. And at least I kept noticing I'm not getting boils. At least I'm not getting boils. And it kept me really motivated. And then eventually the fifth thing that really helped was I did find some support. It just took me five years. But to answer your question, how did the people around me feel? For those five years, everybody was cool with me, Dr. Vadia. No issues. Why? Because there was a little pickle on my plate and some Diet Coke was in my cup and it was low carb. No problem. I had never uttered words like carnivore. I only eat meat. I was just basically eating meat, but with the pickle and the Diet Coke, and that looked normal. No problem. I was losing weight and fit in with society. (laughs) It's when the pickle left the plate and suddenly there's water in my cup. Stop everything. She's lost her mind. And I'm not kidding. It was that dramatic. (laughs) Because I wouldn't take a little bit of even any one green thing anymore. And because then there was a declaration, of course, then it was, oh, I'm doing the carnivore diet. <laughs> Stop it. What are What is that? So it has taken, it took, it took some getting used to. Um, I mentioned that my dad's a minister. My mom is a preacher's wife. He's retired now, but still fills in for people. Uh, vegetables and fruits, pretty integral part of the Bible. You eat your your vegetables and your fruits, right? God made them. Why would you not eat them? Like, because they make me sick. I don't know what else to tell you. I did try to tell them also the fruits and vegetables we have now and the bread, not the same bread Jesus was eating, not the same fruits and vegetables from a long time ago. So 
they're good parents. They look at me now. They see that I have babies. They see that I've my health has improved. You know, they're not going to give me a hard time now. But for a while, it was a little touch and go. I can imagine. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, and and you know, I I haven't lived all over the country. I've lived in the South, and I've lived in the West, and uh, in the South. My experience is that food just plays, it's kind of a huge part of life everywhere all the time. Yes. So I, I think it's significant that if a preacher's daughter, a Southern Baptist preacher's daughter can do this, anybody can do it. It can be done. I, I, was, I was raised, I was raised Southern Baptist, so I can, I'm, I'm allowed to say that. There you go. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so um, why'd you quit the pickles and the green beans? That's a good question. If I had to add back any one vegetable, I think I could tolerate pickles more than anything. Uh, I did have pickles when I was pregnant with my first child because I just craved them so much. And I didn't have any negative effects. Um, A couple things, even though I think I could. First of all, I don't really crave them anymore, but I do like the vinegar and the saltiness. So I eat pickled eggs and I don't miss them. I don't miss the pickles. Also, when I found carnivores, I just love them so much. I identified so strongly. And back in those days, 2009, it was not animal based. Oh, no, they were hardcore carnivores. You don't eat pickles, Jack, on your carnivore. <laughs> It was also, they didn't even do like carbonated water or seltzers. Um, they, for the most part, did not use any seasonings at all. Not even salt back then. It was a different world. I know, I know carnivore now is like salt is a food group. Beef, salt, and water, it's a food group. No, they did not. They were like, you get your sodium from your meat. And we did. That's what I did. I, You know, when you find people and you just... You're like, these are my people. I want to do it their way. So I did it their way and I did feel better. And my body started working And about, let's see, I started October. And by July, I was pregnant. That's when this beef water, it was just beef water. They even had a food pyramid that was just a line halfway across beef water. That's what we did. (laughs) And so you kind of fall in line with your people, right? Uh, and by July, though, I got pregnant and I had meat aversions terribly. So beef and water was out. And I know it's like, well, you've been doing this for several months. I was as shocked as anybody. Steak, especially um, what I love, r- rare, medium rare, the sight of raw steak, it made me want to vomit. I was I wasn't sick, but I was very nauseated. So. I opened up carnivore a little bit. I ate eggs, bacon, sausage, mustard. As long as the meat had mustard on it, I could, it was fine. It wasn't too beefy. Burger patties, but I had to have cheese, some mayonnaise. Uh, so I stayed carnivore other than the pickles and through that pregnancy. And then the next one was much better. And the third one, way better. But that first time, something about my hormones was like, Mm-mm. no rare meat yeah weird right yeah no but i've heard it from a number of women uh actually my wife included she 
she used to be, you know, medium rare. And now she actually hadn't recovered from it. She still needs to have her steaks, you know, medium well to well done. She still can't eat like any pink, uh, even though, you know, we're, we've, you know, more than a decade since uh, our second daughter was born. But it, it's interesting. And I've never been able to figure out the reason for that, you know, uh, even though I've heard it, like I said, from many, many women uh, at this point. So um, as long as I guess as we're, uh, you know, kind of uh, slaying some of the carnivore dragons and we've, we've already kind of talked about salt, uh, what, what's your take on the organs? Do we need the organs? Well, I don't eat organ meats and the take since 2009, and I'm still in contact with all of the people that I mentioned before. Um, the original. Now, there were other people there that I'm not in contact with. There were a few hundred carnivores there and I I haven't stayed in touch with them all but quite a few and their stance has stayed the same if you crave organ meats or you taste it and it's enjoyable and you feel like gosh that felt great I would like more of that then your body probably needs something of it enjoy it's carnivore and for me I never have liked um there's an iron taste to liver that is such a turnoff to me. I just beef liver that is and chicken liver. I do not like it. Um, I'm trying to think how long it's been now. It's probably been about two years ago. I decided to try. I'm going to have a little bit of liver every day for the month of whatever it was. And by the end of the month, it started off like, ugh, this does not taste good. By day 30, it was beyond that. I felt like I was having awful histamine reactions. I was feeling not well. I could not, I, was, I can't keep going with this. I considered if it works, I'll just keep some organs in my diet. I liked the heart, which I've been told is more, it's muscle meat. I could do that, mm-hmm. but it was the liver. Like, oh, um, but I can handle and enjoy cod livers on occasion. So I do have some cod livers. I do not ever force myself and probably never will again to eat any organ meat that repulses me because I think our tongue, the gut brain connection is so smart. And if if we're not addicted and eating processed foods, then I think our tongue is so smart. Obviously, for somebody eating Little Debbie's, you go, oh, but it tastes so good. (laughs) It must be good for me. No, it's a drug. Put it down. But once you're off of all that, I do think our bodies know, and mine was trying to tell me for a full month, knock it off. That's really interesting. I've, I've, I've operated under the, the, basically the same assumption that as long as I'm fundamentally healthy and if I'm eating something and my body is saying, Oh God, yes, please more. I probably need it. Yeah. And contrary wise, if my body is saying, Oh God, no, um, it's probably okay to avoid it. Had I figured that out much younger, um, I would have had a whole lot less gastric distress. Yeah. Um, I've, I've discovered that I'm not entirely carnivore, but, but, um, as a rule, me and vegetables just flat don't get along. And it I, took me a long time to admit that. Yeah. They, I, I don't feel good when I eat vegetables. It's, it's very simple. Um, and I'm just grateful to have people like you who blaze the trail uh, and can and have demonstrated that, hey, it's perfectly possible to be healthy 
and not eat things that make me feel bad. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's amazing. We all think back and, and, you know, those of us that, you know, have children have raised children, you know, and all the fighting that goes on to eat your vegetables and they never want to eat their vegetables. And, you know, parents think you got to make your kids eat your vegetables to be healthy. Uh, and, you know, now obviously there's a whole different outlook on that. Um, but it's intuitive. My kids have no idea how lucky they are. (laughs) I never make them eat any vegetables if they want some sweet potato. I do not mind. They're healthy. Like they, they tolerate things that I couldn't tolerate as a really unwell person. They don't have the IBS and the glucose issues and the boils. So I don't let them have garbage because that's not food. We don't eat junk, added sugar, gluten, grains here. To me, that is not even food. That is man-made garbage. But if they want to have some sweet potato, that's fine by me as long as they're feeling great, but I don't force them to eat any vegetable period. So what's, what's breakfast at the Hogan household for the kids, for the kids. Uh, They eat like I do for breakfast, except I do have an addition. So for me, I'll have a few eggs, two slices of bacon and a tablespoon of butter. I typically give the whites to my husband who does, he'll eat some eggs, but I just don't like the whites. So I throw my extra whites with him. I eat my yolks. The kids have an, a massive, it's 10 to 12 eggs, depending on if it's small eggs or large eggs, omelet that I cut into thirds for them almost every day of the year, full of meat and cheese. And then they'll usually have a slice of bacon or two on the side. And then there is this product. It's not perfect, but it's like, uh, it's called carb friendly waffle. It's a grain free, no sugar added thing. And I let them eat that on the side. And they'll have usually a piece of fruit. And I don't have that, but, but they do. My wife and I discovered, uh, I think my my son turned us on to this, chaffles. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so we have chaffles probably, I don't know, three or four times. My wife loves these things. For those who, who don't know, tell us uh, tell us your experience with chaffles. Yeah. Maybe we can turn our, our listeners on to a, an exciting new experience. I have tried a lot of different versions. I've tried like a pure egg version in the waffle maker. I've tried half egg, half butter. I've tried versions that add a little bit of cream, but basically I just have a little mini waffle maker. You could use a big one too. Just going to need more eggs. (laughs) And uh, some people make an egg cheese version, which is a little bit more savory. I don't know. I've added with the egg and butter. If you add just a little bit of vanilla extract to it, it's uh, less savory. So not sweet, but you know, a little better for the kids if they want to put some fruit on top or whipped cream. How do you do yours? Well, we do, we do uh, eggs and uh, we do some pumpkin spice, some vanilla, Mm -hmm. shredded mozzarella. And my son, my oldest son turned me on to this. Uh, He's got a, a whey protein powder. And with the whey protein powder in these things, they get crispy. Just like a waffle. Just like a waffle. Um, So, you know, slather the butter on top of that. And uh, um, I like them just with butter on them. My wife will put whipped cream on them as well. Um, 
Yeah, that's, that's the stuff right there. I yeah. switched my, I've gotten my husband onto those as well. Um, so he, through our whole marriage, his whole life, he's just been a car beater. But in the last, even this year, he's been much lower carb than prior to that. He had never had the weight problems I did. He didn't have the health issues I did. He never had a boil. So he didn't have that desperation, motivation, no reason to do it. He was very happy for me, though. That's oh, for sure. Uh, so he's been an incredible encourager and supporter. He helps. He helps run my zero carb life. I mean, truly, he doesn't do like any editing, but he emails, helps out with emails and behind the scenes. I don't know how I got off on that. Anyway, he switched to these waffles. So he'll do either a carb-friendly waffle or a chaffle. And that's a big deal. That's how people should know it's good, is if James Hogan will eat it, it's legit. <laughs> it is. So tell us about uh, My Zero Carb Life. Um, it started off as a blog. I can't remember which birthday it was. How old am I now? I'm 44. Um, this could have been like my 35th birthday or something. My husband, who is a great writer, he's finishing up his doctorate degree, but not in medicine. Um, and he's writing his dissertation. But at that point, he said, I would love to help you write a blog. You like to write. How about write some blog entries? I'll set it up and put it on the website for you. Okay. Uh, this has been several years ago. So I would write, turns out I like to write too. I didn't really lean into that until this blog happened. And I just started writing. He said, this is good. I don't have to do hardly anything to this. I'm just going to post it on the website. Cool. Thank you. I mean, he spell checked for me, but, <laughs> and probably added some commas, but for the most part, he's like, this is good. Keep writing. So I did, and that he had saved the website, myzerocarblife.com. That was his birthday gift. He said, if you just email whatever you write, I'm going to put it onto this website. And then three years ago, I was in the bathroom, and he and I was getting ready for school. I was a public school teacher for 20 years. And he said, we were just talking, and I said, you know, I make all these videos about music at school. I think I'd like to start a new channel and I think I'd like to talk about carnivore. He said, well, who are you going to talk to? I said, I think I'm just going to talk to the camera. He's like, no, you need somebody. I said, who are you suggesting? He's like, why not me? <laughs> you little ham, you. <laughs> I do carnivore. He's like, doesn't matter. You just need somebody to talk with. Just tell me about it. So we started making videos together and that was the YouTube channel, My Zero Carb Life. And then he encouraged me. He, he said, you talk about this all the time in Facebook groups. Uh, Zero and Unit on Health is still a Facebook group and Zero Carb Health. And I was helping to moderate or just share in those groups all day, every day. My free time was like, quick, answer a question, meet question, meet question. And he said, if you love it that much, why don't you start some groups of your own and just coach? I was like, oh, I don't think I could do that. Well, he said, if it's what you love, if people want to, they could sign up. And if they don't, they don't. So now we've got my zero carb life. Um, there's coaching and YouTube channel. And it's just, and still the blog and a website. And I have my awesome husband to thank for a lot of that. Yeah. Oh, that I, I love hearing stories of good marriages uh, where things like that happen. That's fantastic. Yes. 
Um, so what are the what are the the most common questions that people have? What are the questions you're always answering from a yeah. coaching standpoint? Well, the first thing is how do I get started? Like, well, if you have and, this, and I, I think this would be cool for for both both you and Phil. I'm yeah. I'm let's yeah. People want to know how do you get started? And I tell them, well, the simplest version of that is get as much of the junk out of your house as possible. Fill your fridge with, go to the grocery store and look for meats that just think, you know, I kind of like ribba. I kind of like chicken wings. So you can even go to Publix, a grocery store around here. I don't know how widespread it is. They've got non-breaded chicken wings, Mardi Gras wings, moho pork. It's all cooked. Take it home. Eat that. Fix. Do you like omelets? Most people say yes. Do you like ribs? Just... Find meat that you love, start there. Eat as much as you want of that. Whatever it takes for you to stay off of the sugar, carbs, grains, pasta, all of that. And for some people, that's enough for them to just run with it. And then there are people who have the shakes (laughs) and they're like me and they're like, I can't, I need help. So I'm in a training course myself right now and I may be in it till I'm 97 because it's huge. With Dr. Joan Iflin, I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with her. She wrote the mm-hmm. basically the textbook on food addiction, processed food addiction. Um, and I'm working with her on how to help people break cycles of addiction to just get started. Now, she's not completely focused on carnivore. She's a supporter of carnivore. She just wants people off of processed foods. And of course, nobody's having the shakes over their broccoli. That's not the problem, right? Nobody's like, oh, the Brussels sprouts. No, it is the processed sugary junk food. So I'm working and I've been in her training program for over a year now, just working on ways to help people cope with that first time, ways to find hits of dopamine and their happy feel-good chemicals, coping mechanisms, how exercise can actually really help people think, well, that's just an added challenge. Oh my gosh. So helpful when it comes to breaking any addiction, not just sugar. Yeah. Great uh, question. You know, so, I mean, for me, you know, the most common thing I get is, you know, I found someone like Kelly Hogan and I went carnivore and I'm feeling great. And uh, my doctor told me it's going to kill me and maybe my cholesterol went up or maybe not even, you know, they just said eating all that fat's going to kill me. Yes. Uh, and that's certainly the most common question that I end up dealing with. Uh, but, you know, it is so great that we have these resources um, because occasionally I find, you know, I have the person who, you know, really doesn't even know about carnivore low carb, but they have heart disease and they're coming to me to, you know, how do I take care of my heart disease? And I say something like, well, stop eating carbohydrates. And maybe maybe I need that paper that your doctor had with the two sides. Um, But, you know, uh, having resources like my zero carb life that I can just say, go, go here, you know, they'll show you how to do it. And understand that I'm telling you it's safe to do for your heart, you know, even though all your other doctors are going to tell you that it's going to kill you. So, uh, you know, those are, I think, the big battles that we need to face uh, is one, just getting people to accept the fact that, yeah, you can eat all meat or mostly meat and be healthy because they've heard the opposite their entire life. And then, you know, how do I do it? Uh, So. 
and I do get asked that a lot. How's your cholesterol? Is this safe? And being able to say things like, look, I've had a CAC scan. Uh, it's a zero. If you have a CAC scan of zero, uh, the chances, no matter what else is on that piece of paper about, you know, your cholesterol levels, the chances of you having a heart incident are so low. And if you're feeling great, that's, you know, a great sign, you know, but then what do I do? I send them the video that was with you, Dr. Vady, on my channel, because I, I love that video. (laughs) And we went through and looked at LDL size. And a lot of people have no idea what the LDL number means. And when their doctor scares them and says, your LDL has gone up, that's a bad sign. You're going to die any moment now. They don't know. Oh, that also includes the big fluffy LDL. That's a good thing. And we don't know what kind of LDL we're even looking at. Nobody tells them how to test it. Nobody even mentions a CAC scan or even a fasting insulin score. So when, you know, uh, when I'm asked those questions, I try to at least point them towards resources like yourself that can say, yeah, it's it's really not just about that total cholesterol and total LDL number. So um, what's the, how do I want to say this? You've got three little kids. I watched one of your videos. That was adorable having the, <laughs> the three kids on. Um, kids typically have a sweet tooth, but I guess if you don't, if you don't feed it, it doesn't grow. Right. Um, what's the prognosis as they as they move through childhood into adolescence? Yeah. What's your plan? And right. do you have do you have coaching clients that are dealing with the same kind of things? With kids in the house, obviously there's well, usually there's a different set of of yes. uh, there's a different uh, selection of foods to choose from. I guess we should put it that way. Right. Yeah. So my situation is different from most everybody else's because they've never had it. Not even, not even artificial sweeteners. The closest thing they have chewed some sugar-free gum, but it's mint because they've tried the other kind and it's too sweet. They so far. If anything, even a really sweet fruit, they'll go, oh, it's so sweet. They don't like sweet. Now, somebody told me this way before I had kids. This is when I first came to zeroing in on health and found my people. There was a man there who said, I've been told no resource to back this up at all. Okay, just passing this along. He said, I'm a dad and I've been told if you can keep kids from having a sweet taste until age eight, they never develop a taste for it. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. (laughs) I wish I knew where he came up with this. But something in my mind was always like, just keep them clean till they're however old you can. Also, I'm the one buying everything in our house. Uh, It's not like they have a job. So I'm not bringing it in. Uh, And I have found that so far, at least, they don't have any interest in it. And even the smell of really sweet things is a turnoff to them. I'm as curious as you are to see how this is going to go in the future. But so far, I don't have to keep them from it 
They just don't want it. Now, in most people's cases, the kids have had it. They've had it for a few years. And now mom is like, sugar is bad, kids. And the kids are like, we don't care. Because they're, they're hooked. And it's hard because parenting is hard enough without taking away the primary reward system that most people use. Uh, And I do understand that having it in the house for a mom who is struggling, I had it in the house when I was first starting because of my husband, (laughs) my oldest, tallest, cutest fourth child, (laughs) but he had the ice cream in the house. It wasn't any children there, but I had to watch him eat it. And I was like, oh my gosh. If he clangs that spoon on the side of that bowl one more time, it it was hard because I used to be eating the ice cream with him. Uh, so I tell people that's the time to go take your walk. That's the time to get some fresh air. Reflect on why this really matters and remind yourself it is not going to stay hard forever. It's only hard for a little while when it's out of your system. It's just like it's not hard for me to not smoke. I don't smoke, so I don't ever miss cigarettes. I also don't sit around wishing I had a hit of cocaine. It's just not in my system. And I said, and when this is out of yours, you only have to do this once. And you never have to do it again. And you're not going to have this physical craving again. You might have a mental, oh, I kind of miss that reminiscence. But one of my group members, I love this analogy. She said in the beginning, the cravings were like the SWAT team banging down the door it felt like you had no choice. They were coming in. It was impo- it felt impossible. She's like, but I stayed strong. I stayed strong. And she said, now when a craving comes, it's like, knock, knock. Anyone? <laughs> and then they go away. She said, it's just gradually gotten so easy. In most days, she says, there's just nobody at the door. She just eats her meat and feels good. So people have that hope and they can just take the walk for a little bit. Uh, when it gets intense, they can get there. What do you do about uh, boredom? And by oh, boredom, I mean, yeah. God, I'm getting tired of eating this hamburger. <laughs> yeah. Two tactics I tell people. First of all, don't eat the hamburger every day. My gosh, there are so many critters out there. Just eat as many of them as you want. There are cheese sauces and spices. And if you can handle those things, if you can handle dairy, what are you even bored about? Just make some Alfredo sauce and put it on everything except pasta. Uh, Get as much variety from the animal kingdom as you want. You could have five meats on your plate at every meal if you want. If you are bored and you're doing that, uh, there's one problem you don't have, and that is hunger. Mark it off the list. You aren't hungry if that plate of animal products is not appealing. And if hunger isn't the problem, food will never fix it. So I tell them there's a whole list of things we can do. I send out, um, have a single spaced entire page list of things to do if you are hungry. Oh, I've got a list for that. All of the meats. If you are anxious or angry, those two go together. Also, it's convenient because they both start with A. Then I've got a whole list of things that can help physical activity in that moment is also really helpful to like get it out, walk it out, talk it out, pray it out, journal it out. There's a list of things we can do for anger. Food won't fix it. Hmm. So unless you're actually hungry, in which case, eat your plate of meat. Uh, Lonely or bored is the most common. You're lonely, you're bored. So 
for some people, it's as simple as you keep um, a puzzle going, or I've got some paint by numbers up here that I've done before. <laughs> you have an activity that if you're bored, get a hobby. Like now you have your health back, get a life, go join CrossFit or something, go do something. You don't need to be bored. You've got your health back or you're about mm-hmm. to. And then the last thing is you're tired and or overwhelmed, in which case you need some sleep or you need to delegate some things. You need to make a list and check it off. But so often, all of those problems we are used to solving with, I'm going to sit on the couch and eat that ice cream. And when that is taken away, people don't know how to cope with real feelings. And I think a lot of us were also brought up feeling like a genuine emotion that wasn't happy and helpful was bad. So when we feel anything less than happy and helpful, we sometimes feel like hot potato, we got to get rid of that. And how do we get rid of that? We numb it. We numb it. And some people numb with online shopping or porn or I don't know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And for a lot of us, none of that was acceptable. So we just went for sugar. And if people have been used to that, then it's hard to say, oh, give me your security blanket, please. Yeah. Yeah, I know, but that's very well said. You know, food, there's only one problem that food will fix, and that's hunger, uh, yeah. pretty much. So uh, that's a great way to say it. Um, talk a little bit about the online world and, you know, carnivore. And, you know, you went from the kind of, you know, nice little Facebook group, uh, you know, uh, zeroing on, on health. And now, you know, it's kind of out there and that attracts some people who may not agree with this, uh, will say, uh, what I'd love to hear kind of your perspective since you've been through all that, you know, kind of that, uh, growth of the online presence of carnivore and low carb. Okay. So at first I was in my little bubble, little carnivore bubble over there. And then the first time I came out of that was when I was asked by, there were two articles or two um, media sources that asked to interview me about the same time. One was Good Housekeeping Magazine. And the other was, I can't even think of the name now. It's a, oh, it'll come to me, I think. But both of the articles, the people interviewing you are always like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Tell us more. They act like they are loving everything you say. Then the article comes out and they're like, psychopath in North Carolina only eats meat. (laughs) What happened? That's not a direct quote, but that's how it reads, you know? And they bring in all these nutritionists and doctors who are like, this is the worst idea we've ever heard. And I was flooded with uh, emails and messages, the comments, not on the actual magazine, but they posted online hundreds of comments saying this woman has children. She should have her children taken away. Think of the number of people that will die of heart attacks because of what she's saying. Can you believe she would say don't eat vegetables? And then I disappeared uh, for like two years after that because it was too much. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that was zero out of five stars. (laughs) I'm going to only hang out in carnival world. So I didn't disappear from those people. I was still doing my blog and I was still in the Facebook carnivore groups, but I thought I zip done. Uh, And then I found Instagram. (laughs) I'd never had Instagram before, except just to post a few kid pictures. I didn't know there was a carnivore world over there. And I 
I don't even know now I discovered. It. I think it was because of Dr. Baker. My gosh, that guy has a lot of followers over here. They seem to like him over here. Saying what I was saying, except they don't hate his guts. This is amazing. I'm going to go to Instagram. And it has mostly been a fantastic experience. I'm in my stories all day just sharing life and what I eat. And if anybody's rude, you just block and bless and move on. And I think at this point, I don't have many vegans left because they don't say much. And it's been good. I did try TikTok for about half a year. Mm. Whoever was reading Good Housekeeping magazine several years ago, I'm pretty sure they're now on TikTok. (laughs) Or maybe their children are on TikTok because they found (laughs) me. They're there. I I, I had to leave that. It was pretty gross. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll say on YouTube, the people who find me on YouTube, I'm sure you found this to be true too. For the most part, they know what they were looking for and you found it. Like, welcome. It's been good. And and I still love Instagram and the Facebook groups. My life lately has been fairly low on the hate side. It's been nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's certainly good when, you know, people are finding you and you can kind of, you know, block and bless another. I love that one. Um, but, uh, and it's always interesting to me when I, you know, when I go on, um, podcasts that aren't necessarily, you know, health focused or low carb, you know, podcasts, and generally the response is pretty good, but you know, that's where you start to get the, the comments and, you know, the people and, you know, oh my God, this guy's license should be taken away. And are we sure he's a doctor and all of that stuff? So. Daily Mail. That was the other one. Daily Mail. Oh, yeah. There you go. Not good. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. You know, the, the phrase, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Uh, it felt very bad. And it, it was bad for my heart at that point. It, it hurt my little feelings. But I still to this day will get people say the first time I ever heard of carnivore was that good housekeeping article in 2000, whatever. Like, get out of That article was awful. Like, I've never heard of it though. And it's your pictures just piqued my curiosity. So even though they were saying the whole time, don't do it, don't do it, somebody out there, apparently quite a few somebody said, I think I'm gonna do it. <laughs> well, you know what? When people are are desperate. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Oh my goodness. When you think well, about medications, all of the side effects that people hear. You can tell them on a commercial. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, here are the things that could happen in order to cure your toenail fungus. You're going to have seizures and die. And they're like, but maybe, yes, I'm going to try this. So, yeah, I think somebody heard, wow, well, this woman clearly lost weight. She's not dead. She's had children. She seems happy about it, even though there were all of these possible side effects being stated. I think we've seen people can look past that. And it turns out the people saying the side effects. I think we know. Yeah. They have no idea what carnivore is really about. Yeah. But it, you know, it brings it back to how you started, you know, when, when you went and you saw your doctor and he gave you hope. And that's really what this is all about because people are looking for hope. You know, Uh, one of the things that kind of saddens me these days, I guess is how I react to it, but sometimes angers me is how we, don't give people hope anymore. We tell them, you know, it's normal to be sick. 
Right. And the best you can do is take some of these medicines and you'll feel a little bit less sick, uh, but you're still going to be sick. And we don't give them really any hope. Uh, and now, you know, being able to offer these types of um, tools, uh, you know, that you change the food that you're eating and you can feel better and you can get better and you can actually recover from these illnesses. Uh, that's what's most powerful because that gives people hope back. Yes. And that man made me cry that day. Dr. Dunlap, I was in tears. I was embarrassed. He had just had to literally cut open a place on my backside again to get out all the infection. I was overweight and I was sad. And I've had some people, I think it was Dr. Baker said to me, in today's world, you won't find a doctor who is willing to make somebody cry like that. Like, that's just not typically what happens. But thank goodness, because on the path I was on, if he hadn't said, how far out of hand would it have gotten? When I watch that show, My 600-Pound Life, I think, you know, there are some people, I think it was Dr. Bickman that told me this, where they are not capable of going much past 200 pounds based on the way their cells um, either multiply or expand. So some people, they just expand and there's apparently uh, a limit to that. He says, but in certain people, it will multiply. So they're able to gain weight very quickly and go well above 200. If you go well above 200, then there's almost no limit. And that's how people end up on the show. Well, I was in at age 25 already at 262 pounds and it got there really quickly. So I think that that really could have been me. Um so again, thank goodness for a doctor who was willing, like you, Dr. Vadia, to tell people something that's going to be maybe a challenge for a while and not as easy as take two of these and see in a year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there was no medication that was going to do this. I can't help but think of this, this recent movement to normalize obesity. Yeah. And, and essentially what happens there is is you take away people's hope oh it's perfectly normal for you to be obese get used to it deal with it it's beautiful in Live fact with it it's beautiful it's beautiful and genetically you you didn't have a choice it's who you are and so we're just going to embrace the beauty and every soul is beautiful and every soul is equally valuable no doubt but what wasn't beautiful for me jack was I could not, I remember a time I tried to get onto a roller coaster. I was a teacher. My students wanted me to ride and I'd said yes, and they couldn't get it to latch. They were shoving it against me as hard as possible and it couldn't latch. Having to get off of that, that didn't feel beautiful. Getting chafing between my thighs to the point where it was like weepy kind of wound. Mm frequently that didn't feel beautiful so yes yes you are beautiful you are special you are valuable and we want you to feel good we don't want everything to rub and hurt and for you to spend all day obsessed over food and because it's a drug you're being given a very highly processed that so much money went into to make it as addictive as humanly possible so that you can't think about anything else that's not beautiful. And I think we're trying to normalize this addiction and these pains and having to pop pills. And it is, it's, that's the word 
sad. It is sad. It is sad. Well, I'm sure I'm not the first one who said this, but you're doing God's work. And I mean that. Thank you. I mean that uh, unironically. That's it's extraordinary to to run into people who are making such a difference. I mean, I I'm overwhelmed that I get to do this with Phil because he's making a massive difference. Yes, and I get to meet absolutely. folks like you. Thank so you. Um, people are going to say, all right, how do we get a hold of Kelly Hogan? Uh, MyZeroCarbLife.com or My. YouTube, MyZeroCarbLife. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been uh, this has been one of the enjoyable, and I just mean just from from the standpoint from the standpoint of entertainment, um, I could uh, I could I could have this conversation go on for quite a while, but I know we've all got things to do. So, uh, Bill, well, I appreciate yeah, you having me. I'm sorry. Go for it. Definitely. Thanks for uh, coming on, Kelly. It's been great to uh, talk as always. Uh, and uh, just look forward to uh, continuing to uh, fight the good fight with you and uh, giving people hope. Yes, thank you. And maybe we'll get to hang out in Costa Rica together again someday. The yes, series indeed. turned. This series was great, right? Yes, yes. It was great. Okay, was- y'all are going to have to expand on that because not everybody knows what you're talking about. The yeah. reverse series, season three. They need to go check it out. Dr. Ken Berry's channel has it right now, and it's coming to some other channels soon. So maybe y'all could link it below. But it was a lot of, it was a true honor for me to be there and to get to meet you and and to now be on your channel. I appreciate it so much. Both of you, I appreciate it. Happy to have you. Well, uh, that contact information will be available in the show notes. For Kelly Hogan and Dr. Philip Ovedia, I'm Jack Heald. This is the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. We look forward to seeing you there. Talk again soon. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Avadia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.